Welcome to our Perimenopause What the F podcast, brought to you by the Perry community. In this podcast, your host, Rachel Hughes, talks everything, and we mean everything, perimenopause. She helps us navigate through all our What the F perimenopause moments and all, is this normal? Questions. Rachel talks with perimenopause experts, thought leaders, and inspirational voices of the community. To connect with other perimenopause warriors, download our free Perry app. You can find the link in our show notes. And now, let's dive right in. Hey, everyone. This is Rachel of Rachel Hughes Midlife here with another episode of Perry Talks, where we like to deep dive into all things perimenopause and menopause, bringing you the science and the sisterhood. Welcome, welcome. Today I'm speaking with Kate Roham, menopause fitness coach, advocate, and creator of an online community, and now app, meant to help you navigate through your journey, whether you are pre, peri, or postmenopausal. We are absolutely going to get into the basics about fitness and menopause, wherever you may land on that spectrum, but I also have questions about things Kate has said about sobriety. I think this is so important to all of us and her lessons learned about creating the community she has. Many of you know and love Kate for good reason, and I'm really looking forward to this hour with her. For future episodes, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. And now, let's get started. Hi, Kate. Can you hear me okay? I'm trying to block out the mess behind me. Oh, don't worry about the mess. Okay. You look yeah. very pretty in your red-ish pink. How are you today? I'm okay. How are you? I'm well. Thank you so much for joining us Thank you for uh, here at the, the Perry community. Let me welcome Kate Roham. Um, I'm very excited about this conversation. I'm always excited about a, a, a health sort of fitness food um you know all the things that I personally think about a lot I'm always excited to speak with someone who knows a lot more than I do about any of this so an extra special thank you and um just just sort of a heads up if um as you can see Maria Luisa is, is on the call if anyone um, has questions or anything like that, usually they pop them into the chat and then I'll just facilitate them for you unless you prefer to do it yourself. Um, one, one quick one to you, my, my six-year-old is outside. He has been told oh. no circumstances to join us. Um, oh, he can, he can, if he must, it's okay. We don't mind. We don't mind. Um, well, thank you again and welcome Kate and I would love to start by asking you about your new app, Owning Your Menopause. I know that's also a platform name of yours. Um, I'm just curious what the goal was for you in developing this app and, and really what was the spark that sort of lit the flame for you to step into this? I know that developing an app is not, it's not just, it doesn't just happen. It's a lot of work and effort and commitment. And I'm, I'm curious, what was, what was, what was the, the step that said we're doing it? Well, I think the fact that, that I realized because I was a perimenopausal woman myself, that there was a complete distinct lack of education, awareness and support for this demographic of women particularly when it comes to um, their health and their wellness and fitness and diet. Um, I know that over here in the in the UK, we're really on it at the moment with HRT. Um, and that's MHT, isn't it? Is it? Um, yeah, out there. Um, so, which which is great, but I do feel that the conversation, the kind of the, the pendulum has gone from, you know, here, in terms of HRT not being great for you um, because of the World um, Women's Health Study um, in 2002, straight over to this other side of where it seems to be banded about at the moment as kind of like a magic fix. But that's kind of where we are now. But but rewind to, I guess, um, 
I'm 46. So about four years ago, I um, I had Rupert, who was two. I was an older mum, I guess, um, you know, as, as people see it these days. Um, and I was really struggling with um, my own fitness um, and some really um, debilitating symptoms, um, night sweats, incredible anxiety, heart palpitations, um, and weirdly incredible feelings of um, like loneliness in, in what was a really chaotic, busy life um, and just didn't feel like myself. And I, I, I didn't really understand. And I, and I saw doctors and went to doctors and I was a really fit person. You know, I, I was training, I was doing a lot of HIT and um, I was teaching other women and I, and I couldn't kind of understand. I had joint aches and pains. Um, so it was a really confusing time. Um, to kind of cut a long story short, I, uh, I, we were in lockdown, so it was very difficult. So this is no fault of um, the, the medical side over here, although GPs aren't necessarily brilliant at the moment at kind of diagnosing perimenopause. Um, I was sent for two ECGs, some chest X-rays. I was given an asthma test, despite the fact that I was running like half marathons in lockdown. Um, and then I was diagnosed with depression. And again, I, I, you know, having had um, mental health issues in the past, diagnosis of depression isn't something that um, terrifies me and it's not something to be ashamed of, um, but I knew it was different from the way I had felt before. Um, so I ended up having to kind of, I guess, do my own research and go down a route of what is this and um, came across private doctors and eventually got myself a diagnosis of perimenopause. But, but when I went and it was great and I was offered um, HRT, which actually I sat and looked at for three months because I was still slightly terrified of taking it I thought how can I help myself here like what can I do to um to, to make myself strong from the inside out how what am I doing training wise am I doing something wrong um how am I fueling my workouts and essentially I spent sort of two years working out what it was along with a lot of self-acceptance that women need at this time in order to fulfill their fitness potential and I did a million different things and this opportunity came to create an app and get a subscription and because um, I've been doing a lot of free stuff and I just felt that to have a sense of credibility and to be able to have a little bit more communication with um, you know women that needed help I had to make it a little bit more viable and so that is what um, I created and that launched in May this year um, and it's and it's doing really well and I'm really yeah. excited. Yeah, it's wonderful. Congratulations on it. I so appreciate what you said about sort of the the pendulum swing, if you will. I think about this a lot that um I wasn't aware of that 2002 women's study prior to a couple of years ago. And I knew that my mother had been on hormone replacement or menopause hormonal treatment um for 10 years and then was abruptly taken off and this was you know many years ago when there wasn't a lot of chatter about what was happening during this season of life anyway and reflecting back i i think it it's um it obviously that was a time of such disservice for so many women, but, but as you mentioned and what you're offering is this piece in the middle, which I really think is actually sort of like, it's actually the thread that just should kind of be there anyway, meaning sort of lifestyle um, practices that are in your best interest anyway, sort of regardless of where you are on your um, hormonal path. I mean, completely. And, and I think, Rachel, you're right. You touch on a really good point because actually it's about early intervention and it's about understanding that actually our, our bone mass reaches its peak at the age of 30. Right. So what we do previously before we are 30 is going to have a significant impact on how we age and we go through the menopause and what our susceptibility is to, um, you know, the onset of things like osteopenia or osteoporosis. Um, and actually, it is interesting because I do have a diagnosis of osteopenia in yeah. both my hips. And that is because I had a very colorful time, perhaps before my 30s. I didn't lift weights. 
Um, you know, I think this generation of women that we are seeing going through the menopause at the moment were very much cardio bunnies. Mm-hmm. Um, told that that was the way and and I do love it I do love now we are seeing you know younger girls getting into lifting um and that is great and what would be lovely is if they understood that it was not necessarily for the aesthetics which I think mm-hmm. is still much a thing but actually how brilliant they are um in doing that because they are giving themselves a much better chance of you know offsetting things like osteopenia osteoporosis heart disease type 2 diabetes all of these things that we see kind of are elevating now in this sort of perimenopausal menopausal generation of women yeah and and just to piggyback off of what you said kate that i think is so important is that and i've seen things that you have shared about this that not everyone can take hormones not everyone might want to take hormones and there is indeed this really positive, effective thing that happens when you're paying attention to all of this lifestyle stuff. And so you've sort of consolidated it in this app, which is wonderful. Okay. If you wouldn't mind, if I could just take you back a little bit, cause this really struck me in your story. Um, and I don't remember exactly where I read that you had shared that you may have been sitting on the edge of your bed or in bed. And it was like day five of this sort of episode really of feeling rather blue. And you just mentioned that, you know, the the diagnosis of depression didn't, didn't frighten you. That's something that you had had bouts with in your life. Um, But I think the reason I wanted to ask about it is because I feel like the mental health part is still one that sort of jars women and maybe keeps them from uh, thinking that they may be in perimenopause. And when in fact, when we look back so often, I also have um, history of depressive episodes, but it was this anxiety that was like, just really dialed up when I was in my early forties that actually brought me to the doctor that gave me this diagnosis. So your story really touched me. And I thought if you wouldn't mind just sharing a bit more about that, it could be so helpful. And I think it's, I think it's really key to share. Um, I mean, essentially my my anxiety got so bad that every night, I mean, you know, by night five, night six, I was literally sat on the end of my bed saying to my husband, if I die, you know, when they find my body in the morning or, or whatever it may be, tell them it was my heart because these heart palpitations were properly terrifying. And I would actually kind of try and fall asleep in the recovery position and try and find ways of helping it. But, you know, when you're in that mindset and you're terrified, you, you do your anxiety gets, you know, a, a lot worse. Um, and not knowing what it was at the time was, was terrifying because I thought that I perhaps had some, heart issue I thought maybe with this breathing because I I mean I was unable to even pretty much have a conversation Rachel at one point because I would have yeah. to stop and like breathe you know and I'm quite a kind of like person mm. anyway so it was really frustrating and it was when my kids even started saying to me mom you're doing that breathing thing again um you know because I couldn't finish the end of my sentences and I continually felt like I had just this ball just sat here um in my throat and it was it was terrifying it was disturbing and like I said I wasn't ashamed of the depression but I think that you know as women we just soldier on we are we're, not, we're almost too scared to maybe say there's something wrong because we're too terrified to get a diagnosis but obviously getting a diagnosis of anything is really important to to, to get that if it is something other than menopause to make sure that you get the best possible medical care early on um I think the other thing Rachel that you touched on where you were saying you know, the sort of slight fear behind a diagnosis of perimenopause. The other thing for me was not that my husband, well, two pronged here, not that my husband was dismissive, but I think because leading up to that, I had various ailments and things that I was unsure of. And I think that happens to a lot of us. He was, oh, what is it now? You know, oh, it's another thing. And so by him being slightly dismissive, I was like, my God, am I being a hypochondriac? Mm -hmm. And and it's not, I, I think we hit this age in this midlife age where, Everybody is so valuable to us. Our kids are growing up. We're caring a lot of the time for elderly or sick parents. And actually I was caring for my dad not long after my diagnosis. But we 
we begin to feel that we are so needed. So we don't want to die because we, we have all this, everything to look, look, look after. What happens when we're gone? Who's going to do everything? Because that's what we do. And so it's just all of this fear. And then I think on the other side is it's the fear of saying to my husband, I am perimenopausal because the connotations yeah. behind a menopausal woman are that she's dried up and, you know, she's no good to anybody. Um, you know, and we hear doctors talk about the whole purpose of our cycle and ovulation and this horny feeling we get, you know, mid-cycle is to have babies and yeah. all that's finishing. And it's kind of like, wow, is my husband going to find me attractive anymore? Um, and so I think we have so much coming at us from so many different places. It's it's no wonder that anxiety and, um, you know, sort of bouts of depression show up at this time, especially with that decline um, of estrogen. And I think what is really important is, is, like we're saying, is this early education and this early awareness, because I am stronger and fitter and freer than I have ever been in my whole entire life at 46. And only four years ago, I thought I had nothing left to give. And yeah. those are the stories and those are the messages. And, and that's what women need to hear and understand. Yeah. Um, but it's difficult, isn't it? Because, you know, at 35, if I'd have heard someone say this, I'd have been whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah. Just don't listen until we're there. Oh, no, absolutely. And I I just want to sidebar for a moment. I thank you for sharing all that you just did. And, and specifically this piece about, or in this moment, specifically this piece about um, sort of the fear or concern about sharing with your husband, what a doctor might've said, because we hear a lot sort of the back, the other end of that, which is, um, you know, our struggles with, with sort of libido or, you know, not feeling like it or it being painful. Like there's a lot of discussion around that, but there, there is this, this component of, well, if I share this and, uh, what is that? What will that mean sort of within the, the construct of my relationship? And that's a, a whole other piece we can get into later, but I do appreciate your, your bringing that up. Um, okay. So, so Kate, so you, you had been this cardio monster for, for many, many years. And yeah. that's like what you did, like, like so many of us, um, and then when did you, what, so I, uh, becoming an instructor is a whole other thing. And when did that happen? So funny enough, that happened before. So I was already qualified. So I actually qualified when I was um, 40, when I had my third child. Um, because if I rewind slightly, and again, it's something I'm very honest about, sort of within my bouts of depression, I'd had disordered eating um, growing up. I had four miscarriages before I had Rupert. So I felt to myself, again, I probably hadn't that I'd put on a bit of weight um, and I really struggled to lose the baby weight. It'd been fairly easy with one and two. And again, I was older and I couldn't find anybody that I could connect with and resonated with. I was a busy mum, an older mum, as it were, um, with a child and uh, I live in the middle of nowhere. And how do I lose this weight? How do I um, feel strong again? And um, I started following Joe Wicks, funnily enough, the body coach. I'm sure you you guys know him over there, but it was the TV workouts. And I was like, there's this young guy, he's 30. He doesn't understand, you know, <laughs> my hormones or, and that's no disrespect to him. He's brilliant. Um, what do I do? And I just couldn't find anybody. And I've always liked fitness. Like I've always enjoyed it, possibly for the wrong reasons. You know, it's always been an aesthetic thing for mm -hmm. me. Um, but I thought, let's, let's just do it. Let's go for it. And so, um, I set about qualifying. So qualified literally just before my 40th birthday, sort of or just after my 40th birthday. And I started off, um, actually my kind of name was hit for life. Um, uh -huh. so I was all about the hit. I was all about the short burst of workouts, busy mom, get it done quick, quick, quick. But it, it just didn't, it didn't it didn't work. It didn't work. And I think I was making terrible lifestyle choices as well, which I'm happy to talk to you about. Yeah. And so I then started to just do my research. I did an amazing course with viral education, which was on um, like pro-age women and um, the women I read, um, lovely Dr. Stacey Sims book, you know, raw, I'd come across obviously Amanda Thebe, um, mm -hmm. written, um, her book, um, <laughs> Apocalypse, and began to see more and more the benefits of strength training. 
Um, then I went down that route and and that was when I discovered that actually, you know, I would talk to my friends around me and I'd be like, you know, why are we, we're pounding the pavement. So we're, we're working out for, for hours on end or we're doing hit and we're putting so much stress on our bodies, um, you know, and then finding out that obviously as we're going through menopause, our estrogen declines, our cortisol rises, hit inevitably makes our cortisol rise even further. And then those symptoms and lack of sleep cortisol rises and actually what occult does is it essentially puts you into adrenal fatigue right. and you then can store a little bit more visceral fat so um I basically set about getting myself a set of dumbbells and it went from there and I haven't looked back and so um I encourage women to lift weights and to go heavy with their weights and to tell them they're not going to bulk and I would say that it has transformed the way I I look at exercise the way I feel about myself in terms of like a body transformation and being lean and whatever, that is now no longer a priority for me. So my priority is, is making sure I have strong muscles and strong bones and a good heart and my mental health um, is benefiting from what I'm doing. You know, the aesthetics and how we look is a byproduct of all of that. And, um, you know, I talk a lot about future-proofing our bodies. Um, it is very difficult for women if they they have had this potential inevitable weight gain to reframe, you know, how we see fitness. And I, I understand the struggles many women will have when they look in the mirror and their body shape has changed. That's not to say don't make fat loss your goal, because, again, it's really important to take on board that if you are carrying more weight than you should, you are putting yourself at risk of type 2 diabetes and heart disease. And that is something to address. But to actually go in and focus on lifting weights for all the other benefits as i say the weight will come off as a as a nice little happy extra yeah. Yeah. but at the same time you're feeling strong and and it's about feeling mentally and physically strong you know i think kate one of the things that so resonates for people with about you is that there is this real honesty in the uh maybe the grayer area if you will so I think just like there's this um, sort of very dogmatic discussion around HRT, there there is also this sort of like um, midlife, you know, take back bodily agency and it doesn't matter our size and we're, you know, throwing off the shackles of the patriarchy and all of that, which is all valid and really important for each of us individually to kind of wrestle with over time. And I think that for many women, there is sometimes a lack of honesty about, well, I actually, I'm really not happy with how I am aesthetically looking right now, or I just don't feel myself. I don't feel right in my own body anymore. And then it becomes a little bit like I almost feel in conversations I've had that some women almost feel shamed about wanting to say, actually, I really would like to lose 10 pounds. And so I feel like that sort of coming out of your work that this exists, this, this place, and, and there are things we can do something about it. Yeah, like it's, it is. And actually I had a really interesting conversation with someone about this the other day, because I am, I am totally into self-love and self-care, but the bot, but the bottom line is, is that for some people that isn't enough. And that mm. is, that is okay. You know, mm. it really is. And, and it's, it said, especially if they are putting themselves at a higher risk of um, type two diabetes or heart disease, you know, postmenopausally now, the biggest killer of women is heart disease. So mm. why would we not want to look after ourselves? And also it's okay to want to look good, but, but, but my, 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 my ethos is do the, do the exercise and do that bit. So the strength benefits and the looking good bit will just come naturally. And actually with that strength of the lifting weights and all of that sort of stuff, you will, you will build confidence. And, and I think that that's what it's, what it is for, for a lot of women is that we lose our confidence when we lose our shape. Yeah. Um, and you can, you can say it to anyone, you know, a million times, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. But the, the bottom line is somebody is still going to worry about that. And yeah. everybody's feelings are valid as, as, as you pointed out, and that's okay. The most important thing, to mention I think is that when women do find themselves in that situation 
is they go back to that sort of again this generation of women who have been brought up you know that carbs are our enemy and we have to really restrict our eating and so what I end up with is a lot of clients who are really restricting their diet and they're not working out correctly and actually that then creates a negative impact on our body again it creates yeah. more stress and the chances are you will not reach your goal and you will and put on weight and it's been a massive process for me too Rachel I mean I used to not really eat breakfast I used to do that thing which loads of women do probably not eat really well and then like three o'clock you're really hungry and then you could literally eat the whole yeah everything yeah um and you know now I I force myself to have a really good lovely breakfast with loads of protein same thing at lunch same thing at supper um as you know, I did also give up alcohol for yeah. Um, I wanted to talk to you about that. Eighteen months. Um, I've started to have the odd glass of wine, um, more because I wanted to scratch the itch. It doesn't. I don't really enjoy it to be honest with you. So it's neither here nor there. That made a massive impact on my training, um, because again, I was your typical midlife and menopausal woman who at five o'clock would want to want to have a glass of wine because she was stressed. She was anxious. Um, would have that wine and then you eat the crisps and you know by the time supper comes you're actually full right and, and then you can get up and you can work out the, the reality is and it's the most annoying saying in the world mm. is you can't out train a bad diet yeah and that is fact um Kate I want to get back to the eating thing in a moment I just wanted to mention that Maria Luisa who's on the call chimed in and said, I rarely admit I want to lose a few pounds because of being misunderstood or judged. So I, I, I do think there's a deeper conversation to have around this little piece that lives in the middle where I think most people, most women are sort of inhabiting this space. Um, and it, it can be a challenge, but I thank you for sharing what you did. Um, okay. I just want to get into fitness itself for a bit. So, so tell us about um, hit is not, not our friend in, in the way that we may have been doing it. Um, certainly sort of bringing this 1980s mentality into fitness today. I think most of us would think hit is the thing to do, you know, 45 minutes a day, five days a week. And that's, that's a no. However, it does exist on your app. So I'd love it if you could take us through what you know to be true for women in this season in terms of how we should be moving and how we should not be moving. No, um, you know, it's a really interesting one because obviously if you've always been doing HIT and you work out and you're fit and you're healthy, you know, it, it is something that you can still do. It is very heavy on your joints. Um, and again, it does raise your cortisol levels. But it has a place. And this is the thing. It, it is a good, effective, efficient, quick workout. So I have it on the app um, once a week because I think it is a, a lovely thing to include and people do enjoy it. And I don't want to take away things that people enjoy because obviously exercise is about the enjoyment. But essentially, it's not really serving that purpose of building that lean muscle and that, that, that strength that we want to get by lifting weights um it's also really important to remember that kind of hit was invented or you know it came about as a blanket prescription for exercise so um they weren't taking into account when we talk about hit the perimenopausal or the menopausal woman you know you've got athletes you've got younger women who are high in estrogen doing these workouts so, so it really has its place and it's really really suitable i just totally believe that as we are coming into this later phase in life it, it can be really hard and actually I've seen many women come to me saying that they have suffered from crippling joint pain from doing HIIT workouts so it's just about listening to your body um you know I don't want I don't want women to stop doing it but I would just say if you are doing it three or four times a week it, you would be best off you know switching one or two of those sessions out for some weights um so that's kind of what we focus on in the app so, I mean, essentially we do weights three times a week and then there is one hit workout on a, on a Tuesday. Um, and again, the reason that we lift weights is because of the significant benefits it has on our bone health. And we, um, as I said, we've already said about um, our bone health being maximized at the age of 30, our muscle health also declines at around about the age of 35. So we begin to lose muscle mass 
Now, obviously, your muscles are going to support your body. They support your joints. So it's really important that we build muscle. And again, if we want to come to that weight side of it, the more muscle we have, the more fat calories we will burn. Um, because obviously the more muscle you have, the body is using more of those calories to um, facilitate those muscles. And so by default, again, it's a really good way for fat loss. Um, and HIT won't allow you to progress, as it were. You'll come to a time when you just plateau and um, you'll be thinking, why am I not making gains? And that's the time I often see women when they're like, I haven't changed my routine but nothing's working. And they'll be like, okay, so what is it you're doing? And I'm doing hit five times a week. And it's because they're not adding any resistance. Um, you know, and I mentioned something just from a personal, um, perspective here or experience. I, um, I guess during COVID, uh, you know, wasn't able to get to the gym and I thought, oh, this is great. I don't, I'm, I'm home. I don't have, I didn't, have any weights really to speak of at home, but I thought, oh, I can get into this hit thing now and I'll just work out for like 10 minutes and I'll do it and I'll feel great. And what I discovered was that I was never able, or I didn't really understand how hard you need to push yourself through that 20 seconds or 30 seconds or 45 seconds of intense work before arrest seconds of period, you know, period of time. So I was like pretty lazily working out for 10 minutes. <laughs> and then, I, and then I would be, you know, I'd say, okay, I'm done. My workout's done. I'm sure I never even broke a sweat, but it was so misunderstood. And I really, I gained weight very quickly and easily. And I, um, it was radically different when I was able to sort of get back into the gym and, and, you know, really lift. Um, so I, I mention that a lot to people sort of anecdotally, if, if a friend or someone says to me, oh, I'm going to start doing this hit thing. And I sort of remind them that you really do need to push in order for it to be effective. Is that fair? Yeah, or was it, I making it up? You, know, you really do. Because it's like there's Tabata as well, isn't there? Which is 20 seconds and 10 seconds. And that's like an eight minute workout. Um, and so you really have to go for it to, to make it work. But I think, I think you know, so many people are scared to, to do the weight training because they feel they're going to bulk. Yeah. I think also the, another misconception is when you add weights that you think you're going to be at the gym for a really long time. Mm. But it's not, it's actually, or at home, but it's actually a really efficient way to work out if you again lift heavier weights because you know we do see a lot of people you know they're sort of there with their weights and they're yeah 20 bicep curls yeah it's like that's really not going to be doing anything for you and if you're going to do 20 bicep curls then you're going to be there for a very long time yeah pick up a good heavy weight you can do eight to ten reps you know i got a good rep range is like eight to fifteen Yes, uh, I saw that. I learned that from you, and I it it's changed my gym experience. It, it's I really like it. It's very efficient and effective. But can you talk about the weight, the 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 heaviness of weights a bit? So it's really it's it's I, you know I, I have to be really mindful because obviously I'm now lifting a lot heavier. But I think what's really important for any woman to know is that kind of eighteen months ago, two years ago, I, I wasn't really lifting. So it's been transformative and it's a gradual process as well. So it's really important, obviously, when you lift weights, that you have the correct form and that you do it gradually. Because obviously what we're doing when we lift weights is we're slightly tearing the muscle. Everyone's like, you tear what? the muscle. Yeah. <laughs> you tear it and then it's in that repairing process that it's building itself back up to create, you know, this nice shape and that lean muscle. So I have a beginner's program actually on my app, which uses three kg and five kg weights. Um, so that's like six pounds maybe and 10 pound weights. I think if you- I think so, yes. Over there. Um, and it's a really in-depth, step-by-step kind of four week program to getting you to lift. And then what I hope is that after that, they could either repeat that with heavier weights or they can come and join the live workouts. You know, it's totally up to them where they want to go. But the most important thing when we begin to lift is the correct form, because obviously, again, at this age, we are possibly more susceptible to injury. Um, so it's just making sure that we 
got that correctly. Um, but again, if we lift weights, we are also preventing injury because we are making our bodies a lot stronger, you know, and actually I've done a, a, a post today about core um, and abs, you know, we always get a little bit carried away with what, what are abs and, you know, actually abs and core are two very different things. And then having a lovely strong core, which you can have and still have a lovely spongy stomach, um, you know, you're going to be able to lift heavier. And so coming to your question of lifting heavier, obviously our lower body is predominantly a little bit stronger than our upper body. And, you know, I hear so many women saying, but I'm so weak in my upper body. I'm so weak. But, you know, this is the most incredible opportunity then to build that strength. And um, what I love is the feedback that I get from so many women who, you know, message me in, in the morning and go, I went to eight kg today or, you know, and they're really proud of themselves. Sure. And so they, you know, they've left home feeling strong and, and good. So that the whole point in lifting heavier is that you won't plateau at any point. So you're always building strength and you're always building, um, you know, that lean muscle and, you know, building, repairing bones and always building um, bones. So, so that is the whole ethos behind lifting weights. Um, yeah. I have a question. <laughs> I'm raising my hand. Two things. One is when do you know that it's time to increase your weight and there are days I think for women in perimenopause and menopause that you are just, no matter all the things that you're doing consistently, you just are not feeling up to snuff in the gym. Is it bad or detrimental or sort of hindering your progress to just do less that day in the gym? No, never. So, so this is the other thing. And I love it, Rachel, you literally read me like a book. Oh, um, really? That's the other thing I see is that women don't rest enough. We're so terrified mm. that if we miss a day, yes. we're going, it's all going to go wrong. And what am I going to do? Um, and no, so I really try and encourage people to have two rest days and that can be an active rest day. So you could go for a walk. I always think you should definitely move every day. You know, when I say rest day, it doesn't just mean sit down on the sofa and kind of do nothing and watch Netflix, <laughs> um, you know, yoga, Pilates, um, and that's not taking away from yoga and Pilates as a good way to strength train. But you know, it uh, for me and the way that I've worked it on my app, it's seen as an active rest day. So on Saturday mornings we do Pilates, and on Wednesday evening, um, Paravi does yoga. Um, and so essentially, you know, that's all. But actually, on Sunday night we have mindfulness. Um, yes, so something that's really important to bring in is it's it's not just always about these the, the workouts it's about the whole package as you've just said you know on a day when you've had or a night sorry when you've had really little sleep you might have been up you might feel anxious it's often best to miss that workout day switch it out for something that's a little bit kinder to yourself a little bit gentler on the body um and then just just change it around and come back to it when you're more focused and and equally on that point as well for a lot of women going through um, menopause, pre-menopause, they might have irregular cycles. So they might not know when they're about to have their period. Right. You know. And so they'll go one week to the gym and they'll be like, yeah, I <laughs> it all out. It was the best day ever. Yeah. And then they go back the next week and they can barely, like you say, either walk <laughs> the door or open the door. And then it's like, oh my God, I'm not building strength. It's all gone to pot. And we're so hard on ourselves as women. It's like, we, we, there's one thing goes wrong and it's like, it's it, this is it. Mm. And it will normally be followed, you know, two or three days later, they'll have their period and they'll be like, ah, oh, okay, that was it. And then again, they can build that strength again. So, you know, a, a lot of it again is, is I think to become really intuitive and to really listen to what your body is telling you and to not push through on those days when you can't, but just to go, okay, park it and move on and come back. Yeah. I, I'm so glad you brought up the mindfulness day as well, because I, I felt that your including that in your program was so critically important and really um, sort of building it in this idea that um, we are these whole beings and we need to dial down some days purposefully. And so having that that day, um, where this is what's done is, I think, really um, sort of helping us become more intuitive about self-care, which I, I really loved. It, was that, 
She's a, she's an amazing yeah. specialist, and yeah. um, she really knows her stuff. And um, so it's 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 a great thing on a Sunday night just to have that, just yeah. to reframe um, the week ahead and reset, you know, your intentions. We live such busy lives, yeah. and um, you know, it's it's very easy again, I think, to say that we need to do this mindfulness and we need to have calm. And I know a lot of people go, but I can't find the time for calm. Right. You know, and again, that puts more pressure. Um, but it literally could be even just three minutes, you know, just breath work in and out and just taking whenever there is an opportunity, a quiet moment to yourself in the day. And if you are given these tools and these techniques and how to use it, you can find, you know, even if you're going off to the loo, you know, you can have a quick moment of, yeah. of mindfulness. Then if you're working in, in a busy space, you know, it just, it's about giving you tips and techniques and tools to kind of manage this period holistically. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I, I really do think it's, um, it's helpful to women on your platform to sort of understand what it means, what it looks like in action to, um, become more intuitive, to take special care of your physical body, your mental health, your spiritual health. I, I just, I love that. Um, can we go back for a few moments uh, to food and nutrition? You mentioned that you had disordered eating. This is so common for, for women and certainly in this community. I did a post not too long ago about um, uh, disordered eating or sort of like this hyper focus on healthy eating. And I think, you know, again, whatever age we are, we are, but in midlife or during this season of life where our bodies sort of feel like they've gotten away from us, we want to corral them by practicing habits we know are not in our best interest, but they probably are things we're familiar with, right? It, would you speak a bit about your experience and sort of how doing the work that you do now has created something new for you yeah of course I mean I'm not obviously really important to say that I'm not a registered nutrition I did nutrition alongside my, um, sure. my training um, and a lot of what again I've learned is with the nutritionist we have a nutritionist obviously on the platform mm. uh, again so that we've got proper uh, guidance there um, but again yeah for me so it was always a weight a weight thing and I think what happens to I think what happens by the time we're in midlife is if I'm honest with you is we're so confused about how to eat you know, there are so many diets out there. You've got keto, low fat, you know, cut your carbs, intermittent fasting, juicing, and everyone's saying, do this, do this, do this. And, and at the end of the day, you're like, which, which one do I do? Yeah. And you try all of them. And I think what, what a lot of women I, I see end up is just on this like yo-yo pattern as well. So they kind of, you know, Christmas is coming and you eat a lot and then you do your January detox and then you know, you really good maybe February, March, and then there's sort of a half term and kids are on holiday. Um, and so what I want women to do is to find a way where for 365 days of the year, they are eating really well. It's a really mm. difficult thing to do. Um, and I would say that for me, I've been really mindful of my eating over the last four years. But prior to that, um, you know, it's been all over the place. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, it was really cutting carbs and cutting out massive food groups. And what I know now is instead of looking at cutting out our food groups, look at what we can add to mm -hmm. our plate. Um, and, you know, we do these little boosts and these little resets in the app. We've got one coming up actually at the end of the month, sort of a seven day mind body boost before Christmas period starts. And, you know, it's things like make sure you've got 30 different colorful um, or eat 30 different foods throughout that week. What are you going right. to add? Um, and how is that plate going to look protein again with every meal? And it's about it's it's about encouraging women to stop this mindless snacking as well. That I think a lot of us get into because we 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 don't eat and then we get hungry and, you know, our insulin levels are all over the place. Our body craves food and we eat the wrong food. and We make the wrong choices. So, again, it's sort of encouraging women to have these three wholesome meals with four to five hours in between. And for somebody like me, who's terribly, terrible at grazing, that's really good. Cause often I'd graze throughout the day and then I'd get to supper and then I wouldn't really want supper. And so then I wouldn't really have supper. And then you wake up the next morning and you're really, really hungry. Right. Um, you know, and I think the thing around food as well is it's really important to find out what works for you. 
because I know there's a lot of stuff again at the moment about intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. Whilst that can be really good for some women, it can trigger um, disordered eating again in people that have had um, disordered eating. And I think yeah. any place where you are having to monitor um, your food or look at what you're eating just makes you so aware um, of everything. You know, the bottom line, if I'm honest, is it is calories in versus calories out. We can't deny that. You know, if you're eating more than you are expanding, you will put on weight. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think essentially we all know what we should be eating. It's just the fact that we have to do it and we don't necessarily want to do it. Um, but, you know, 80, 20 and a good balance, I think, is really, really key. And like I said, it's taken me a really long time to get there. I don't get it right all the time. Um, and I think the other thing to say to people is if you do have a day where you or a day where you start eating rubbish early on in the day, don't then self-sabotage and just eat like that for the rest of the day. That's fine. You had a bag of crisps. You had a bar of chocolate. Great. That was a lovely treat for the day. Go home and have a lovely, healthy, wholesome soup with some sourdough bread or, you know, something nourishing. Um, right. And don't look at it as as having that to combat that. You're not playing one thing against the other. You've eaten it and you enjoyed it. And that's lovely. Um, but now go and have that nice wholesome meal that's actually just going to be better for you full stop so it's about talking to yourself and you know allowing yourself to I think kind of understand that you need you you need to nourish your body and you know this this sort of starvation thing that we think works just doesn't work yeah Um, yeah I I thank you Kate I I think also what you said initially is just so critical that we get to this time and we don't know what to eat and it shouldn't seem that it is so complicated but it has become so complicated for us after many many years of disordered thinking or trying learn trying to learn to do the right thing and what that looks like and then of course there's so many options and a lot of noise sort of coming at us and essentially we want something that's gonna work quickly right which I think and but but the important thing as it is in fitness that you shared so well is that it's consistency right it's just sort of finding what works for you and that's why I I often say as well kind of like with the fitness side you know we we're really good at goal setting and and talking about goals but unless you're like running a marathon or doing a challenge where you've got like an end point for me fitness there is no end point and um you know if 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 you go okay i want to lose 10 pounds by this time and you don't the likelihood is you will then not carry on with whatever it is you're doing because what you've done is you've set kind of unachievable unrealistic expectations on yourself you know however if you say i do want to lose 10 pounds but i'm going to try and work on my sleep and eat better the chances are that in two to three months which is a good window four months to lose that weight you will lose that weight Mm -hmm. and then you can carry on because you found a love of exercise for something else because what happens when you reach that 10 pounds then what right you know you reach your goal weight where do you go you often think okay well that's great I've done that yeah I'm done done. (laughs) yeah and and your fitness isn't done your fitness should never be done um you know there's that amazing woman um train with joan joan yes yes 70 something 80 now yeah yeah inspiration Mm -hmm. and you know that's that's that for me is a goal that you know at 75 and i think that is the really important thing as well as look look 30 years ahead look Mm. now 30 years ahead who do you want to be what person Mm. are you going to be are you you know again we can't um mitigate you know any diseases that 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 might happen but we can give ourselves the best fighting chance by exercising and eating well at this at the time that we've got now and I definitely want to be like Joan when I'm when I'm 75 and I want to be running around you know after my grandchildren yeah and, and living my best life yeah. Thank you. I love that. I think about that a lot as well. Sort of that the idea of what's your why. And my, my first why is always that I want to be 
around and active and available and able to keep up with future grandchildren. So I, I completely get that. Okay, I know we're running short on time. I just have a couple of more questions if that's okay. I hope your six-year-old is out, is, is doing- oh, He's not eating chocolate crisps, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> okay, I hope he's okay. Thank him for us. Um, I wanted to ask you about alcohol and, and I wanted to ask first though, just sort of to close the loop on fitness. Um, what are some common mistakes that women make regarding fitness? And you, you sort of, it's threaded throughout. I think you talked about sort of pounding the pavement and, you know, this high intensity cardio might be a mistake or not lifting heavy enough and just sort of, you know, carrying on with multiple reps. Is there anything else that has stood out to you? I think just that that, that 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 a lot of people are afraid because they don't know where to start and they don't know how to start. And there are so many barriers when we reach this phase. And again, you know, it could be pelvic floor issues. It could be mm. things people don't want to talk about. So, you know, there are a lot of issues surrounding it. And I think that a, the, a lot of the reason that some people might not start is because of fear. They don't, and they don't know how to start and loss of confidence. Um, but in terms of mistakes, um i think it is setting massively unrealistic goals on ourselves mm. and also comparison Oof, and that always that's a good one good. we could sit here and talk about that forever but you are i always i get quite emotional when i talk about this but you are unique right and if you think about what it took for you to be here for your mom and your dad and the sperm and the egg and all those sperms and all those eggs you know you were chosen and you were put here for a purpose and you are the way you are mm. for that reason there is nobody like you. So don't, don't compare yourself to, to anybody else. And also if you are, you know, somebody else might be comparing themselves to you. They might want to be how you are. And I, you know, I, we're so guilty of it. We, we all have this access to social media and there are some amazingly, you know, sculpted women out there in their forties and their fifties and their sixties. Don't compare yourself. They've got great genes or there's something going on behind the scenes, you know, yeah. but also equally, don't take away how hard they're working because sure. I know recently we had lovely Jennifer Aniston and <laughs> Kidman you know now that that's really hard it's unrealistic for a lot of us but they work hard to look that good I would never take that away from them the fact is I'm five foot three I'm never going to look like Nicole Kidman mm -hmm. and I don't really want to you know it's that sort of thing I think we that is the that would be the mistake I make is is comparison wow, I love that thank you um alcohol yeah. you you decided to be sober over a year ago and you mentioned earlier that you you sort of now indifferent but you'll have a glass here or there what what was the what was the trigger for you in in sobriety in choosing I too much I'll be completely okay. honest I was drinking way too much for me alcohol has always been um my coping mechanism um my way to you know I've 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 I mean he's coming but it didn't last long oh um, no it was, it was good it was really long. bad day have a drink um celebration have a drink my kids have driven me mad have a drink you know and, and actually if I'm honest with you I think the UK um I don't know you may disagree we have a terrible drinking culture over here like it really is a it's a big thing okay. um and um there's sort of this mummy wine drinking culture I don't know whether that happens over there as well uh, that's I, certainly in my in my neighborhood I don't know about the whole country I found out in like lockdown that you know we'd have this like whatsapp group and it'd be like three o'clock in the afternoon and we'd be like oh have you had a drink yet you know just making mm. sure that everybody was drinking with you um and I don't have an off button I'm an all or nothing kind of girl and I was definitely drinking too much my dad mm. was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer in September 2020 my sister lives in Kenya she came over and she likes her wine and I just basically found that kind of from October 2020 until like December 2020 I was just drinking too much and I just wasn't functioning properly I wasn't present in my home I was my fitness was terrible um, I felt like I was living a lie. I was showing up and working out and teaching people, feeling like rubbish, to be honest mm. with you. So actually, I was really grateful when New Year came around because I was like, right, I'm going to do dry January. Well, I was one of these people that I talk about. I'm going to do dry January. And then um, I was like, okay, I've done dry January. Someone challenged me to do dry February. So I did dry February. And we were still in lockdown. 
And then I was like, right, well, I'll do till June the 21st because we've got a big party on June the 21st and we are still locked down. And I just began to really notice the changes in my mm. skin, in my sleep, in my workouts, in my mm. energy, in my presence. And I didn't really miss it. So I was like, well, that's it. So I did a year um, and I'd never put a set goal on it. Um, and then I was away in the summer and I was like, do you know, what? I just want to see what 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 it was about I think I said this to someone last night for me the drinking thing wasn't that I was going to let anybody else down so it wasn't like oh my god she's had a drink she needs to go to rehab for me it was a personal choice and because it is really you know it's not great for us as mm -hmm. we know mm -hmm. um and I've probably had like two glasses of wine three glasses of wine since then I can kind of take it or leave it, it didn't taste very nice and I felt like rubbish for about a week mm -hmm. so it, it you know the sugar content of it um, is really not great for us for our insulin levels. And we hear it all the time from, you know, menopausal women saying, you know, I can't have one drink now because mm -hmm. I feel so terrible. So yeah. actually, I feel terrible after one, I just don't, just don't have it. Like yeah. it, I try to encourage people to have this period of sobriety, you know, for 30 days and feel the benefits. Um, and a lot of people have carried on. Terrific. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Finally, I, I see on your platform, this community that you are building and, um, sort of, um, making space for, um, you have chats. I think it's called the lounge. Um, I correct me if I'm wrong. I, I, yeah. So the lounge is where we go live and I come in and I check in with everybody probably quite similar to what you guys do um that's not saved anywhere so that someone can come in and and cry and yeah let themselves go so that's not saved and then we have the text chat in the community mm -hmm. section which I am working on I want that to be a little bit more efficient and a little bit more personal um but people can email me and I will always get back to them but essentially yes there are you know check-in chats there's the sober chat see this person yes I and, see. Um, there's breast cancer um and then also what happens in that community is we have um so every month we have uh dr katie or Naomi potter comes in actually now quarterly and they come they come they can come in and live like this and ask any questions they like um and that's the same with the nutrition um and also the sleep clinic as well because we have natalie who's a sleep expert so, so you offer all of these things and I just wondered, I think it's wonderful that you do. I, it's, it's, I think more than anything, what women in this season of life need and really sort of are fulfilled by, um, but I'm wondering what it's given you as the constructor of all of this and, and the person who has carved out space for so many women um what what has it done for you oh that's a really interesting question what has it done for me I think it's allowed myself to be more me and to be and to be more vulnerable and honest and open and um I I love helping people I've all I don't know I just um I don't want people to suffer the way I did I don't want my kids to suffer the way I did um and I think it's amazing the power of women supporting women and it's funny you say kind of what has it given me I guess it's given me a lot of friendships as well mm. like the women I train even though there's quite a lot of hundred of them I feel like there's a real sense of camaraderie and mm. um I genuinely value each and every one of them and um I guess it's yeah I guess I feel really fulfilled like yeah. I just I just feel like in a really happy place it's given me a, I guess it's given me that thing that I want every woman to know is that life really can begin now and it's never too late you know four years ago I didn't want to be here and you know four years on it's it's brilliant oh thank you so much Kate that's a beautiful place to stop our wonderful conversation thank you so much thank your son um uh, for sort of allowing us to take your attention for this last hour um we can find you on Instagram, on yep. your um, platform, Owning Your Menopause. Yes, so Owning Your Menopause, that's where all of the, so the Owning Your Menopause is where all the Owning Your Menopause app stuff happens. And then the KTRH underscore fitness is where I 
share I overshare everything yeah yeah <laughs> you do it's wonderful we're all we're all lucky to to have you um thank you maria luisa says love this so much thank you so much kate i i hope to speak to you again maybe next year definitely thank you so okay. much for having me thank you bye everyone be well Thank you for listening to our Perimenopause What the F podcast. The perimenopause journey can be lonely and it doesn't have to be that way. Make sure to download our free Peri app to connect with perimenopause warriors in the same stage of life. See you next time, Peri sisters.